Hi, welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen, the Halloween episode. I am Ricky. I am Sean. We have a Halloween pack. I'm just messing with you. Go on. That's an edit. That's an extra edit. I'm leaving it in. You leave it in. I don't care. We have a Halloween-packed episode this week. We thought we'd go over... It's just that time of year. We, I love Halloween. Sean fakes like he loves Halloween. So. Dude, I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. It truly is. I wish I had more time to dedicate to Halloween. Like... If I didn't, if I wasn't so busy all the time, I would totally have like a freaking awesome costume and go to like adult parties and have fun. But no, um, I work all the time and I'm looking forward to going trick or treating for the first time this year with my son. So that's about it for me. This morning I was looking at, because I have clone trooper helmets, uh, I was yeah. a, I was actually looking at an adult stormtrooper costume. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. And uh, But I, I haven't got my son's Halloween yet, so I'm not doing anything. Oh. Um, oh. And then, well, we got, we got Jax. He's going to go as a Heath Ledger Joker. Nice. Yes. And yes. then also, funny thing about the time one do... It, same with me. If I had enough time and... And money, the house would look all crazy. There'd be tombstones everywhere. The, the webbing outside, the lights. Oh yeah. Um, funny enough, I was watching Young Frankenstein last night. Such a classic, classic funny movie. Love that movie. But I was watching it, looking at the sets, going, you know, how much would it cost to build that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, it, if you could invest the time and effort, it would be amazing. You could have like a totally awesome Halloween setup. Yeah, like but, if I like if I had a man cave or, or or a man house, just if I was a, you know, had unlimited funds and yes. and time, I would have not a mansion, but maybe a castle. <laughs> Not gonna that lie, would... or a castle themed house anyway, or uh, let's be realistic, a castle themed room that my wife had no say in because I had the money to build, so the rest of the house would go. be hers. But anyway, it's it's separate from the original house. Probably another house that she does not enter. <laughs> That's right. So so, dude, uh, I I was thinking about a good Halloween story, and uh, we knew each other, but you did not partake in this fun story i think you were working oh it was many years ago so i think any uh laws that were broken are now uh beyond the point of statute statute of limitations limitations. yes yes so uh a bunch of the taco bell crew and i we decided to have a fireworks war and now i know you know that part because we had a friend that broke out a mortar launcher we're talking about our friend John, uh, Mr. Cyberwolf himself, <laughs> who worked with us. He had a, he was a best like computer guy. He used Linux. He was crazy. Uh, we've referred to, we've gleamed his story in a in a past episode when we referred yes. to a spatula. He his father was a Vietnam veteran who helped him build something. I believe that's where your story starts. Is that where you were going? See, that's the thing. That's not where I was going. Oh, well, I thought you were going to skip that part. Uh, See, that I was just going to say he created... You probably thought I was telling the mortar launcher story. 
Oh, you're but not. I'm, I'm not telling the mortar launcher story. Oh well, it, let me let me finish that then. Um, him yes. him and his father built a basically a bazooka. That it was a like a steel pipe with a blast uh with a blast dish on the back of yeah, it, so yeah, you could shield and everything. So you could launch <laughs> launch fireworks and mortars out the front of it. Yes. Which nailed one of our friends directly in the, in the back, back as he was <laughs> jumping into a wet ditch. No, what my story starts after that moment when we all scatter. Because obviously launching a mortar in a neighborhood is very loud, especially when it's street level. So we all scatter. My friend Tim and I, we end up walking down a certain street and there's just this undecorated house. Nothing going on there, but their light is on. And we're like, they didn't take the time to decorate. They need to be in the Halloween spirit. We take one of the big, like, 500 strings of fireworks and light it on his front porch. There's only one thing. We don't make it out of his yard before he's opened the door and yelled at both of us. And we stop. Because, like, he's mad. Like, furiously mad. Well, well why did you stop? <laughs> he was that close to us, man. He was quick. He was a quick old man. He was a spry old man. Yes. We couldn't make it off his porch before he was there. So, we act like we give up. And uh, he asks for our names so that we can, uh, you know, he can call our parents and report us to the police. And without even saying it, my friend Tim says he is Fred Durst, and I am Jonathan Davis. And he literally writes down our names, Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis, and lets us go. <laughs> I just want to cut to the police station where the, where the really hip officer is he's taking down these names going, Are you sure this was their names? Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah, they told me. Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis were setting fireworks off on my front lawn. <laughs> so what you're telling me is you were Sam and Dean from Supernatural at that point. That is awesome. Oh, this is true. Yes, I got. I love it when they use the Led Zeppelin stuff. Yeah, I do remember that. That story has been told several, several. There's a whole lot more to that story, but that can be told at another time. Yes, very much. Uh, keeping with our Halloween theme, uh, we thought we'd talk about some Halloween in comics. I tried to find some old horror books or something that I would have, and I just did not find anything. But see, that's where we're a good combo, because this is where I know I can lean on you, and you'll have an awesome Halloween story for us out of the comic books. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because in the past few conventions I've been going to, I've been seeing more and more of the old horror comics coming to the front line, like more uh, Tomb of Dracula. I've seen it every convention. I mean, right out there in the front. I found a couple of, even my son. My son, uh, one of the first comics he's grabbed since we started going was a Marvel Chillers, The Invisible Man. And I've also... Oh, yes. I've also picked up uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is in that same series, which are... Really nice-looking, well-drawn books. And what I did want to talk about in the comic book world, which is topical because on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, 
they are moving into the Ghost Rider storyline, and they have brought the Darkhold onto uh, the television. Now, if you don't know what the Darkhold is, in relation to spooky Marvel, magical Marvel, uh, the Darkhold is a book that was written by a demon which is the origins of vampires. Like the first Marvel vampire uh, was turned by that book. The book was uh, referred to in Conan and Red Sonja in the in the Marvel uh, books when they were when they had those rights. And uh, in relation tangentially to a bunch of Marvel characters like Doctor Strange, uh, there was a series in the '90s called uh, Midnight Suns. And I believe there was a storyline that involved the Darkhold. Even one of my favorite Doctor Strange stories of all time, where he destroys all vampires in the in the Marvel Universe, involved him getting a hold of the Darkhold to do that spell. And That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of the classic Marvel horror stuff. And, okay, there was a, um, yeah, a law that was brought in to where comics couldn't touch supernatural element stuff. Like, they couldn't have zombies, they couldn't have vampires, they couldn't have really? werewolves. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was in the comic code? Yeah, that's that's part of why the comic code was created. Whenever there was that book and the big backlash that children were being corrupted by comics, because there were a lot of crime and horror story comics out there, and funny enough, this relates to a, mo- a movie I'm going to talk about later on, that public being the public got on the bandwagon and and burned and destroyed a bunch of comics. That's why the really old stuff is more valuable these days. And the comics code was created and they said, you know, no, no scary stuff like that. Uh, In the 70s, they released the ban on that and you started seeing the Tombs of Draculas, the Werewolf by Night, the Marvel actual uh, zombie. I can't remember his name. He actually has a name. But, but the characters like that, that's when they started hitting, and um, you got the really great uh, Marvel Dracula, who is a really great in-depth character if you've, you know, most people dismiss, oh, it's Dracula, I know Dracula. Well, you don't know the Marvel character Dracula. I mean, I know he's popped back up recently, and they did some crazy stuff with him, like a castle on the moon. They've changed his entire look to where he's more of a... Uh, a, a white-headed, ponytail-wearing, armor-wearing, gray-skinned guy with fangs. Not crazy. not my speed. My speed is the old classic 70s cape and, and uh, tux, slick yeah. hair Dracula. That's what I want to see, and that's what I love. And those stories are really great. And around this time of year, I always go back to uh, reading those kind of things. So I, re- I really enjoy Marvel uh, on their supernatural stuff. Yeah, dude. The Marvel, they just seem to have... They have more stories like that. Like, does DC have a version of, you know, a, a monster book or anything like Chillers or what that in its past? Me not being that big of a DC guy, I don't exactly know the answer to that. But I can tell you, I can't think of a single DC character that's that's Halloween-themed off, off the top of my head. I don't yeah. know if they ever did a version of Dracula. I mean, Dracula is in the public domain. I'm sure they did. Uh, right. But, but I don't know if he was a well-fleshed-out character like like the Marvel one was. Um, I don't know of any werewolf character in DC, whereas Marvel has Werewolf by Night. They have uh, uh, John Jameson, the... Uh, what's his name? Oh, 
Yeah, J. Jonah's son. Moon uh, Wolf. Astronaut. Yeah, the moon, moon Wolf or, or whatever his name is. Yeah, I remember that. You know, Rain, uh, the X-Men. Uh, what's her yeah, name? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And... Huh, uh, they I have never even thought about that. The Ghost Rider, they have the Jack-O-Lantern, they have... They have Frankenstein for the love of God. Uh, you know, they, they have all this stuff. But DC, I can't think of anybody. I mean, I really can't. Dude, it's funny you bring up uh, Frankenstein. I'm telling you now, I'm going to find it. I want that X-Men cover with Frankenstein on it. I, I, don't, I know it's an early X-Men. I know it's probably super expensive. I can't think of what issue number it is with Frankenstein on the cover, but... If we ever see that and it's affordable, I'm picking that up because for some some reason I really like that uh, cover. Yeah, yeah, X Men number forty. Forty. Mm, there we are. Yeah, if I ever find that and it's affordable, I'm picking that up. And then it's also well, there's two of them. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but in X Men like sixty nine or sixty five, they repeat. Yeah, yeah, they they reissued like to one o. To 94 are reprints, and X-Men number 88 also reprints that issue 40. So there's there's two different covers, X-Men 40 and X-Men 88. I'll have to check that out. I imagine 88's probably a little more in my price range. Yeah, and it looks it looks just as good. It's the classic, uh, you know, strip at the top with the uh, character bubble and then the 25 cents and the 88, uh, whereas the old one is the old-style X-Men uh, side bars. Right. Right. But speaking of that, I have a, a lot of nostalgia for stuff like where uh, Dracula is in the X-Men. There's a great... That's what I was talking about, the characterization of Dracula. Like, there's a whole thing about the X-Men and Dracula. Like, specifically Wolverine and Storm in relation to Dracula. Um, they have a very uh, defined relationship with those characters. It, just like... Um, you know, there's an Asgardian storyline in the X-Men and, like, New Mutants, and they've played off that a couple of times, and those are some of my favorite stories uh, where, where they do that. Um, now, yeah. like, Werewolf by Night, uh, Jack Russell, I'm not so much familiar with. I never really collected. I have this Marvel team-up I'm looking at right now, too. I have a Marvel team-up number uh, 36 where Spider-Man and, and Frankenstein's monster are together. I was looking. That's at, awesome. I was looking at that the other day. Yeah, when they do that, it's just really fun. It, it, that that's fun stuff right there. That's what comics yeah. uh, are are defined by is the fun part. Um, you know, Morbius, the Living Vampire. I never really. I don't know. Well, well you're the Spider Man guy. Did did you like Morbius? I liked Morbius. I always thought Morbius was really cool. He, he he really didn't stand out any different. I just always thought of him as kind of Dracula. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a vampire is a vampire. You you kind of think they're all the same, even though some have different intentions. I always think of them as exactly the same. They usually have the same skill set and the same power set and all that. So most of them are the same person, really. Right, but like uh, there were some instances like Marvel. I recently collected this because it was a John Byrne, one of my favorite artists. Yep. Uh, John Byrne run of Captain America, where he had the storyline of Captain America kills Baron Blood, who was a Nazi, but he was actually a vamp. He was actually he was a vampire Nazi, the worst kind of vampire. 
and uh, uh, Captain America has to fight him. Of course, in the in uh, the Invaders, he was a uh, bad guy. They fought, and uh, the story involved uh, Union Jack, the original Union Jack from the Invaders, uh, Baron Falstaff, I think is his name. And uh, Baron Blood was hunting him down, and, and Captain America like basically took his shield and and chopped his head off. And it was that'll a, do it. It's a great issue, a uh, great couple of issues. It's a it's a multi part story. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't really count like uh, Man Thing as part of that. That was kind of a a separate character thing. Uh, but he's he's counted in the supernatural Marvel stuff. I'm I'm still racking my brain for. I'm just gonna search DC supernatural characters. Now of course, see what you get. Well, I mean, you're gonna get your uh, Hellblazer uh, and that kind of thing, Swamp Thing, I guess. Justice League Dark and Zatanna. Yeah, no, 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 that's, no, no. That's, that's not what not we're looking it. for. All right, so DC, we have some research to do. Dude, so I got some new comics this week. On uh, Actually, I've started pre-ordering stuff. So I got my comics on Wednesday. It was really cool. And I had Cannibal, number one, from Image. Dude, I heard good things about it. And I picked it up. Awesome book. Very cool. It's, you know, obviously for adults being named Cannibal. It doesn't uh, have any children stuff in it, so that was really good. But let me tell you about the one that surprised me, and I've been meaning to tell you. I didn't even put it on the show notes. He-Man, Thundercats. I- I'm telling you, dude, I read the first issue, and would you like to know the premise of this so that you can know and maybe even pick it up and start reading? Because I thought it was really cool. You start off in the Thundercats universe, and once again, the Thundercats have defeated Mumra. His gods or deities, him ancient spirits of evil, kind yeah. Of, yeah, the ancient spirits of evil. They're they're pretty upset with him for just constantly failing. They find that if he was to hold this sword, that he could become powerful enough to defeat the Thundercats. And so, what do they do? They transport him to Eternia, and uh, it, it it's gonna be good, man. Uh, you get to see. Mumra face off with Prince Adam and Prince Adam gets it handed to him on a platter, man. Mumra's got the sword. It is just, it is chaos. A few little words get whispered right before death and we get to see He-Man. And I, I took a picture of the page and tweeted it out you'll have to check it out man i think i even texted it to you it is just a really good book i can't wait to see where it's going i know it's silly but it's two of my favorite things growing up and the story seems like it might actually be pretty good so i'm excited yeah that sounds very that sounds interesting um it sounds better than a lot of the premises i've seen for those crossovers so that that may be good Dude, I, I like I was saying, I was pleasantly surprised reading it. You know, um, you 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 when you pick up something like that, you expect the cheese factor to be pretty high, and it really wasn't. They tackled the subject pretty seriously, and it, it seems like it's going to be a really good book. I liked it. I got my wife the uh, Jessica Jones, uh, the new Marvel Now series, and I sat down and read the Jessica Jones Marvel Now 
very good. If you're looking for to pick up on, you know, you missed out on Alias. I haven't read any of Alias, but I watched the Jessica Jones series, and now I'd like to continue on. Marvel now seems to be right where it's at, man. Uh, if you've read or if you've watched any of the Netflix series, you should be able to pick right up and start off, and here's you a new, fresh story of uh, characters you could have been just introduced to. So it's going to be good. I like the Jessica Jones. I, I like Jessica Jones's story in general, how she's kind of like a meh. She's a bum, kind of. You know, <laughs> that really came through in the Netflix series, too. Meh. <laughs> Meh. She she she's just, she, she's kind of endearing that way. Just ah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I know, I know, and, and and you know that's kind of what makes her cool is you know she's eh, whatever. God, I gotta do this again. She's just always so put out. But uh, the the series looks to be pretty good. I went on a comic hunt and came back empty. But you went on a comic hunt at home and. What'd you find? Okay, yeah, I was on uh, lunch the other day and uh, stopped by our, our Main Street. Batesville's Main Street is growing and growing. It's getting huge. And uh, there's been a couple of eateries open up, and it's really great. Uh, I stopped by a place called The Pinto that's recently opened. It's a coffee and uh, uh, just a snack kind of shop. They have some great um, carnitas and, and chicken tacos that were excellent. Anyway... Good, good job. Uh, uh, but I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't that long. I met I actually met a couple one of one of the people uh, we talked about last week, Joel, who has sent us an email. Uh, I met him and Adam at the uh, Melba. They were talking some business and uh, said hi to them. And then after I had my lunch, I stopped by another place on Main Street, which is a uh, antique store. And apparently, there's a local guy who has a lot of comics, and uh, I can tell you this much because he has. Uh, the same stands at like three or four antique and uh, uh, you know flea market antique stores and flea markets in town, and he has some okay comics. And there was a new one in the antique store I stopped by, and he had a bunch of X Men, uh, Web of Spider Man, which you'll be interested in, yes, and some other stuff. And I saw for a pretty good price X Men number two twenty five and two twenty six. Now. These comics are in the Fall of the Mutant storyline, and I only have 227. And I was very happy to pick those up at a decent price because I, I I haven't seen those out of the double digits in person in a very long time. That uh, storyline, Fall of the Mutants, is the one that precedes uh, Inferno, like I was uh, telling on a previous podcast. Uh, the artist is Mark Silvestri, uh, one of the premier X Men artists of the time. Uh, people really loved his Wolverine. He came back to the line, or, or later, but after a bunch of people left. I mean, it was it was in the like the two thousands, I think. And then the writer, of course, is Chris Claremont, who was still on X Men Comics at the time. And the story is they have to fight the adversary, and I can't remember. I haven't read the issues in depth, but uh, they have to uh, forge and has to set off this spell to stop the adversary that kills the X-Men. Like, the X-Men, there's this big thing where the X-Men die in Dallas. It's televised. Everybody thinks the X-Men are dead, and then they go through the Siege Perilous nice. and are given new lives by some goddess. And that's, <laughs> that's... Ah! <laughs> Once again, X-Men mythology. If you haven't studied it, 
Go go back to your college class to learn X Men mythology because that's almost what it that's takes. That's crazy. Yeah, but uh, they're well, good issues and 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 well drawn, and I, I'm glad I got them. That's awesome. If you got nothing else, we can move on to a very cool trailer that came out this week, dude. I've probably already watched it two or three times, and, and you probably think I'm gonna say Logan. No, 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 no. I know where you're going. It's it's the touch, it's the touchy feely. Give me a hug. It's Guardians. Of I the need Galaxy a hug too. Come on, it's guy. Gu- it's the Guardians of the Galaxy too, man. And I. I watched that with a smile across my face the whole time. <laughs> I, I did not stop smiling. The whole trailer is just excitement. I cannot wait to see where it's going. And let me just say, I who would have thought Dave Bautista? Dave Bautista, you are awesome. And he just, I can't help but love Drax, dude. So funny. Yeah, I, I watched this trailer and I really did enjoy it. And uh, even the first thing I seen was the teaser poster they put out, and I didn't even notice the little tiny Groot hiding behind the the leg at the bottom, which was oh, great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the trailer. I mean, it's it's not. It's just a tease. They they're going to have a full trailer come out, but man, it's it's good to see some of that stuff. And but I did have a Twitter exchange yesterday that about this very thing and. Made me question, have we bought in, are we drinking the Kool-Aid with Guardians of the Galaxy? Is it as good as we think it is? Because, well, yeah, is it though? I mean, you look at it, it's it's good time. It is enjoyable, good time. And I don't know what's in the special sauce there. If it's just James Gunn being James Gunn, or if it's the chemistry with, with those characters... It's Chris Pratt, man. Chris Pratt being such a force of nature on just chewing scenery on screen that makes you smile. But, you know, that that movie, and I've said this before, that movie should not work. It, it's really goofy. It's really weird concepts. And, you know, that's normal. normally a horrible mixture for making money. But, man, it's just fun as hell. And... Well- I remember you saying way before the days of this podcast, way before the movie came out, I cannot believe. I remember speaking to you in your driveway. They're going to put a talking raccoon on TV. They're gonna, it's going to be on the big screen. They're going to put a talk. How in the world are they going to put a talking raccoon on the screen and us take him seriously? And dude... Rocket Raccoon and Bradley Cooper are incredible. It, yes, dude, it works. There's no there's no Kool-Aid. It is that good. Guardians of the Galaxy is just really good, dude. I, I wasn't that familiar with the characters, and I'm bought in. I don't know. I'm Maybe I take a bath in the Kool-Aid. I don't know. But it is that good to me. I, I really feel it is. Well... Somebody said, and uh, I can't remember the exact tweet they said, but um, it was, you know, uh, here here it is again. I get this feeling. I just can't abide this movie. And I was curious, and I put, you know, I was like, is that, is that, am I being trolled or, <laughs> you know, or is this an honest opinion? The internet is, has broken me, and I don't, I don't know. Right. And and he tweeted back, yeah, you know, honestly, it's uh, his least favorite Marvel movie, and and he understands that plenty of people love it. 
it just wasn't for him. And and I agree, yeah. you know, it's... Well, to each his own. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wasn't trying to bait the guy or anything like that. No. I did want to have that discussion because to, uh, you know, to hear that side of it ever so often, you know, does put it in perspective. You know, are we... Are we feeding ourselves too much of the same thing? Are we a bunch of, you know, uh, people of the same minds around just just blowing each other up, you know, making us feel good? And the real world's like, what are y'all even doing over there? You know, but hey, hey I don't care. You know, you know, you know me. You know me. If I'm having a good time, the the guy behind me giving me a smug look has no effect on me whatsoever. You know this. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But, you know, it's just nice every once in a while to stay, take a step back and go, do I really enjoy this? And then oh, think, I- then, then hold on, and then think about it and go, yeah, damn it, I do enjoy this. I love this. Yeah. You know what I'm excited for out of this is we get another amazing soundtrack, I hope. Another oh, yeah. yeah. incredible soundtrack. I loved that first soundtrack. I, I listened to that soundtrack like, for at least two or three weeks straight on the way home. That's what I listened to. Yeah, and that's one of the things he did mention. He also couldn't stand the uh, the music. And to be fair, before this movie, I'm kind of really tired of 70s music myself because, of course, we live in rural Arkansas. Every quote-unquote rock station plays 70s music and hillbilly, you know, whatever. Uh, yes, but I'm... once once I saw this movie, I had nostalgia for every single one of those songs and bought the soundtrack. Oh yeah, yep. But what no. I wanted to lead into was uh, yes. I, I saw some uh, special. Fi- of course, the new Star Wars uh, Episode Seven is coming out with a special edition Blu-ray on the ninth, uh, November fifteenth, in three D, and it will have the. Uh, director's commentary track with JJ, and a little bit of this stuff has been leaking out over time, um, a- a- as as it gets closer and closer. And an article came out yesterday, uh, and I think I got it off of IO9, where JJ just briefly mentions. Now in the movie, there's a scene. Well, like we get your first impression of Kylo Ren. Very, a very cloaked character, masked character. And they did a couple things in that movie that you just didn't expect. Like, uh, you know, through the halfway through the movie, three quarters of the way through the movie, your hero's kidnapped. She's there. She's being tortured. She says, you know, something, a smart-ass remark about somebody hiding behind a mask. And boom, he just takes the mask off. You're like, well, yeah. oh, hey, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, and that was kind of neat to see. Normally, they wouldn't have done that. It'd have been some big reveal where it got tore off or, or something like that. Right. Actually, that's not where we should have seen him with his mask off. Uh, the first time you see him talking to uh, Snoke, he had no right. he had no mask on. They filmed okay. they filmed that without a mask each time he was talking to uh, Snoke in the movie. When you see that, it is CGI. The mask is CGI on the close-ups and all that when he's talking to Snoke. So they could do the reveal later on. And I thought that was amazing because I could not tell that that was CGI at all. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I did not know that. Huh. And then uh, related to to Star Wars, um, and and of course because it's who it is as the story came out, um, Josh... 
Joss Wheaton uh, was talking about how excited he was to see not a star, not Star Wars, not like Episode Eight, but Rogue One. And uh, he was commenting that Rogue One is the style of movie that he would like to do something unbound or unchained from uh, mythology and or or storytelling, and you could tell a unique, different take on a classic franchise. And, um, you know, of course, everybody jumped on it like, Oh, Joss wants to do a Star Wars movie! We were saved! Come on. We all want it to happen. Dude, that would be incredible. Joss and JJ together with Star Wars. That's like a nerd holy trinity in itself. Yeah, but is it... Once again, are we drinking the Kool-Aid? I mean... Yes! Dude, yes! Yes, I am. Man, I'm a Kool-Aid drinking mofo today. How many times have you watched Age of Ultron? Uh, six or seven at least. You lie. <laughs> no, I'm not. I watched it three times in a single weekend when I had stars for the weekend for free. I, I watched it three times that weekend. I like Age of Ultron. I've I've watched it twice. And now, don't get me wrong, with... It's not. It's not horrible. Like it's not. I, I own it. I own it in the, in the best Blu-ray you could get, and I've watched it twice since I've bought it. I want to watch it again after watching uh, Civil War, just for the tie-in stuff that got me excited about it again. But uh, I, it, there were there are some missteps that kind of stand out in that movie, and. You know, we, do we say, oh, Joss was mad at Marvel and was pulling a Sam Raimi, or was that actually Joss making mistakes? I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I see your point, and I can I understand that. I just refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> well, that's that's healthy. I'm glad you realize that. And <laughs> and the last thing the last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, like I said, I was watching. Young Frankenstein last night, who which of course is a Mel Brooks movie, and I got to thinking about people who know who Mel Brooks is. First of all, know he makes a certain kind of movie, like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, uh, Spaceballs. Those yeah. those types of movies are liked by a certain kind of people who have a certain frame of mind about watching those movies. I mean. They know a Mel Brooks movie when they see one. The people who don't go, oh, I don't like that movie. It's weird. You know, just like a Monty Python movie. Or, here's my question. Did Kevin Smith slip by as one of these directors that is in the tier of Mel Brooks and Monty Python, like Terry Gilliam, and I I just completely missed it. Now, don't get me wrong. Kevin Smith... Isn't the best director in the world. I'm not saying that at all. But Kevin Smith's movies, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Clerks 2, Dogma, Dogma, you know, those movies are in, very, very enjoyable for me and people I know that like Kevin Smith movies. Yep. Not so much like Red State or uh, Walrus Boy, Tusk, whatever it is. And, um, I'm just thinking, you know, because Mel Brooks made some stinkers, too. Uh, Terry Gilliam, I, I don't know. Terry Gilliam's more of an art guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that that may that may be apples and oranges. But did we not give Kevin Smith enough credit at one time? 
I, and and I maybe he, too much now. No, I as think a director, he, I think he carries enough weight right now. I mean, Kevin Smith's pretty. I, I think he has a his hand reaches a great audience in uh, pop culture and geekdom. Oh no uh, no 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 no! Don't get me wrong on that. Kevin Smith is a great. Uh, orator and he connects to people and he's a great guy to listen to he's a great person if you actually listen to Kevin Smith talking between the sex jokes and the and the curse words he's a really caring loving individual who, who talks and acts this way but uh, and and he does have major reach in in the fandom I mean his uh, work on uh, directing TV I think and I think that's what he's going to become is he's really getting a feel for directing TV. He loves directing The Flash. He's already yeah. lined up uh, some more stuff with the CW. Um, and, but I'm saying, when his stretch of movies, are those looked at in the same eye as like a Mel Brooks movie, a, a Monty I, Python I movie? I mean, when I hear Kevin Smith coming out with a new movie, I, I think of it like those. You know, if somebody said Mel Brooks is coming out with a new movie, I would know it's a certain genre. <clears throat> and uh you know with kevin smith I, I definitely think you know his jersey series is falls in that same category like i i would think of it okay it's going to be this type of movie it's going to be a jay and silent bob uh view askew which i know he doesn't own anymore you know those style movies it, it, the same could be said on a broader scale for tim burton you know you do you feel Tim Burton owns the owns the the slot in you know dark uh, movies that are you know I don't know got a lot of musicals. Him and him and Danny Elfman are real good friends. Yeah, well, I mean, not so much. There's kind of a reverence for Mel Brooks for. Terry Gilliam. There, and I guess there. I mean, that's another example. There is kind of a reverence you feel when you announce a Tim Burton movie. I think it's movie. only time frame that makes it that way. It's the difference in age. Uh, when now will Kevin Smith be looked at the same as we think of Mel Brooks when our kids are, you know, thirty-five plus? Mm, that's still out to be seen, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I think you're you. They could be on the same path. Right, yeah. You know, because obviously when our children get older, you know, old enough to understand what really funny is, I'm going to show Jack's clerks, you know, one of these days, and I'll be like, hey, this is really funny. This is this is the type of humor your dad enjoys, and I'll see if he likes it as well. This is the movies I was watching in college on video, son. <laughs> yes, back in my day. They, this was spread around on VHS, College of College. Get it right here. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we moved into uh, See It, Don't See It was uh, Logan, once again, which you mentioned earlier, yes. had two trailers come out. It had the American version and the international rated oh. R trailer. Now, right. now, did you see that version? I've watched them both, yes. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that was a really impressive shot of uh, yeah. the claws and the uh, bald head there. Oh yeah, that was incredible. Um, I, I put a post on Facebook and I said, this story is going to be incredibly tough to tackle with limited number of characters that you have available. But this trailer 
looks really good. Like this trailer, I, I'm I'm excited for this trailer. This, you know, obviously we've been excited for trailers before and been massively disappointed. Well, but I, I'll I tell liked you, it. I'll tell you this much. I literally said this does not look like an X Men movie, and I like it. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it looks like something good. It looks like a movie with some grit, with some meat to it, perhaps with a strong storyline. Uh, that's the way it seems to be representing itself. Uh, I thought the Patrick Stewart looked amazing. I don't know what role Professor X is playing, but it's Patrick Stewart. He can't. He really doesn't fail at getting his point across as an actor. And Hugh Jackman is really embracing this story I've heard, like he's taking this one super serious and it just seems pretty good. It came across in the trailer. It's going to be good. Yeah. And you know, I think that doubling down on this being the swan song on his, uh, uh, his version of Logan, um, was, is going to be a really good way to, to put it to bed. Um, and (laughs) this, the one thing I thought was hilarious was, uh, uh, old Patrick Stewart whipping around the back of that truck like a rag doll. I was like, dear God, put a seatbelt on. What are you doing? You're going <laughs> to so kill him. Nasty. There yes. are four lights. Yes, please use a seatbelt. This is one of the most powerful mutants ever, and he's going to die in the back seat of a truck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, man. It's time for one of my favorite segments. The, the, the only true segment we have that is consistent, although I think we're getting some consistency, is the Have You Seen It? And obviously this is our Halloween episode, so we've chosen horror films in that genre at least. And I chose those for my Don't See It as well, and I believe you did also. So let's jump right in. What do you want us to see this Halloween, Rick? Well, um, I decided to go ahead and make this a two for two, so I'm going to give one, you'll give one, and I'll give one more. Okay. My first one, I wanted to talk about 1982's Creepshow. Have you seen Creepshow? Dude, I don't want to just, I'll just piggyback on this. The Raft is one of my favorite stories. (laughs) I love The Raft. Such a good story. Yeah, you know, and if... Okay, Creepshow is a horror anthology movie. It has uh, five stories in it. The, is, the ra- is the raft in this one, or is it Creepshow 2? I don't remember which one has the raft. I think I, I thought it was this one, too, but I don't see that I think list. it is one. Okay. Maybe it's not. But anyway, it's, it's a, a series of stories. And it's directed by George Romero, of course, uh, Night of the Living Dead's famous George Romero. Yes. And it's written by Stephen King. Gosh, I just can't explain. You have to watch this movie. It starts out, It's all the stories are tied together because it's related to the comic book Creepshow. Now, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that there was a string of books that were uh, uh, done away with because of its effect on, uh, quote-unquote, effect on young children. This movie stars, like, Ted Danson from uh, Cheers, Leslie Nielsen of Airplane fame. Uh, if you don't know who these people are... Look it up. I'm not going to go into that here. But um, <laughs> it's just... 
a great, enjoyable yeah. uh, one after another after another of just creepy, supernatural, uh, ends badly for everybody stories that is just enjoyable. It's, it's like those old comic books, and it's wrapped up uh, with the comic book ending. So uh, I, I, I love this movie. Yes, I agree with you. And, uh, man, Creepshow was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, my movie is <clears throat> 2009 Sam Raimi film. I seem to be running a Sam Raimi. This is my third in a row. I'm going with Drag Me to Hell, which is Allison Lohman and Justice, Justin Long. Um, have you seen Drag Me to Hell? I have a copy of it. I believe you gave me. I have not seen it yet. Oh my lord, man. 2009? It's been seven years. I know that. it. It's only it, it only gets better with time, I hope. Uh, very good movie about an up-and-coming uh, young woman who's at a bank, and she's a loan officer, I believe. And uh, she has to make a good impression on her boss. She denies this old lady an extension on her home loan, only to be cursed. And... I love this movie because it mixes the perfect combination of that creepy where you know the jump scare is coming. You, you're peeking around the corner. You know something's coming. And when it does, it is either horribly frightening or it is the most ridiculous Sam Raimi type hilarity that can ensue. Now, it, it's awesome. Just a question. The lady doesn't touch her on the forehead and say thinner, does she? Not that I remember now. That's a wrong um, movie. It, it, but if you want, if you want to see a good horror movie this Halloween, watch "Drag Me to Hell." You will not be disappointed. Great movie. And uh, I, I had one more, and this one. Uh, <laughs> you go ahead, my friend. I you try to explain it. Oh my gosh, I this is a recent watch for me, um, and. The reason I watched this movie is because I was meeting the main actor. His name is Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs is a current voice actor and actor who has starred in uh, several episodes of Star Trek, like The Next Generation. I think he did some after that. He did. He does voice work. Like He was the voice of Ratchet in the Transformers Prime cartoon and the one that's currently on, I believe, he showed back up. But he made his start in a little horror film called The Reanimator. In 1985, he plays uh, Herbert West. And it's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, but this movie is crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yes. Um, he, like, starts... Like, the movie starts where he is studying under some professor that was, like, a World War II Nazi Project Paperclip kind of guy bringing dead tissue back from the dead. And so he gets um, kicked out of wherever that was. And then he goes to this other college and he rooms with this guy with a cat. That, that figures in later. And he, oh he, starts, he starts making problems for his professors he's learning under and snapping pencils inappropriately. And 
He develops this formula, and to, like this cat, like the cat he's living with, that gets dead, and he reanimates it, and then it just goes crazy. Like he starts reanimating like a naked wrestler. Like okay, the the, and I know this because I watched a film sack on this years ago. Uh, the guy he reanimates for the first time is like Arnold Schwarzenegger's body double from Terminator. So there's this huge jack naked dude uh, just fighting these guys like a zombie. and That's awesome. And they had like stop him with a kind of uh, the, the saws they cut uh, uh, autopsies with. Oh, wow. And, and, then he ke- and then he does it like he goes to not uh, do this anymore, but the the main guy at the school he's like at finds out and tries to steal his formula and gets decapitated so he reanimates him and he's got and the body's carrying around this head on a plate it's just really weird and it's it, it's, it's funny it's as hell total chaos oh yeah but great Halloween movie yeah it's directed by a guy named Stuart Gordon I can't tell you what the hell else he's directed but the reanimator is a cult classic. Just you enjoy the hell out of it. It's it's like one of those movies that gets celebrated like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, it's just a true cult classic movie. Awesome. Um, and if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. I, I will say, do not watch this around the kids. Uh <laughs> There, there, there is uh, um, not only like decapitation, reanimation. There's uh, uh, sexy, sexy time. There's, <laughs> there's not. There's, there's some sexy, sexy time that is very awkward and weird with like decapitated head. I won't just don't just watch, watch or don't watch the movie on that statement alone. Anyway, it's awesome. Moving on. <laughs> okay, man. Now. I wanted to do for my don't see it. A lot of times, I'm sure you, you, oh, you sit down. You, you oh, sit down, you're the first one I've seen this. You, you sit down this year and you're like, I need to watch a new horror film for Halloween. Well, now hold on. Before you lead in, I've heard if you go to sit down and watch watch a movie for Halloween, this would be the movie to watch. So I am very interested in hearing this. Well... As you sit down this Halloween to watch your new film, I say don't make it The Witch. The 2015 Witch starring Ralph Ineson and Kate Dickey. If you would like to watch one of the most boring stories I've ever watched in my life, (laughs) you're more than welcome to watch this movie. It at no point was scary the psychological i do floating air quotes as i say that the psychological horror that is going on or whatever nope it's not there dude i don't understand it i remember seeing when this came out it said stephen king says scariest movie ever or something and i was pumped i was like stephen king is this an honest to god quote from stephen king saying scariest movie ever no man this this movie's not scary it, it, I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> are, I say do not watch The Witch. Are, are you saying this movie blows goats? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you've heard a little bit about the movie. Yes. I've heard, I've heard they're actually going to base another horror movie on that goat alone. That is 
Oh my god. Uh, I look. I understand some people may like this, and, and I may be totally in the minority. But I say, do not watch The Witch. I did not enjoy it. I I found myself looking around the room. I was watching it on my computer, and I remember looking at my comics that are up above me. I'm looking, thinking about it, different stuff around me. I, I was not paying attention to the movie because it did not hold my attention at all. The last 15 minutes of the movie, whatever. You can pack whatever you want in that and call that an ending. I, I wasn't impressed with the ending. You know, most horrible movies, you're like, well, you know, that last little bit, they tried to make up and put some action in it. No, just as boring. Don't see The Witch. Wow. Okay. Whew, I trust you, but man. Ah, <laughs> uh, my don't see it is a uh, could be blasphemy for some people, cause in the, I don't in, believe so. In the in the same vein, uh, it's a cult movie, which is why I watched it. And of course, uh, going off the director's name alone, Peter Jackson. You know, I was like, well, this could be this could be really great. I don't really enjoy a lot of horror movies, uh, so I'll, I'll give this a shot. The movie is called Dead Alive. <clears throat> it is if well if you go into it with popcorn just munching going I'm going to have great fun with this. You you could do it. I I could see you, you know, three or four people hanging around, you know, uh putting one back, just laughing your ass off at some of the goofy stuff going on. Okay. You watch it. But if you're just going to watch a scary movie, this is not Don't. it. Don't Dead, Dead it. Alive by Peter Jackson is just a what can we do with practical special effects with blood and uh, lawnmowers and goofy acting. It's not great. It is not. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination. The best thing about it is the nin, is the uh, kung fu priest that kicks ass for the Lord, and even he gets killed in, like, five minutes, so... it's awesome. Uh, that was the best part of the movie. I mean, watch the clip on YouTube, and you're done. You're good. It's already don't, better than The Witch. Don't see Dead Alive. Don't see Dead Alive. I tell you, man, uh, <laughs> this has been a fun episode. So you can find me at Maynard98 on Twitter. You can find both of us at NotSoSoutherngees on Twitter. You find me at Ricky Westbrook on Twitter. You could search uh, Facebook for Not So Southern Gentlemen. For Not So Southern Gentlemen, I'm Sean. And I'm Ricky. May the force be with you always. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe Superman. Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, and those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind.
If you listen to this part, it will have a creepy voice on the recording. Ah, 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 ah. You're probably looking at the sound waves, wondering what is being said while you're away from the computer. Ah, 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 ah.